Hey everyone, season one, episode four in our lovely desert, Dallin, Mark, we have Brixton Gardner coming on in a couple minutes and we talked with him for almost an hour and 15 minutes and it was really good. We, we've been, we try to, we like want to keep, try to keep it short, but I feel like it was really good stuff and he's, he's really fun to talk to. And a lot of our good stuff is actually towards the back end. So you just kind of have to, I guess you can skip there or you could, or you just hang out with us for a little bit. I think it's pretty good. Mark, how you been? I've been doing good. Work's been work's been good. Life's been good. Ski season. You skied once, man. I skied once and I loved it. So that's a big life update, big life uh, yeah. accomplishment. So. Yeah, I, I decided to learn to ski and Mark came with me the second time and Mark was infinitely better than me. And that hurt, but I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty good now. Um, I noticed tonight that NBC started broadcasting the Winter Olympics. And I don't feel like did like I didn't no idea it was starting. Like, are we are we just are we just out on it this year? Are we just? I feel like I, people care about the Winter Olympics way less in general, but I feel like it's especially quiet this year. Yeah, I think it's just hard because we had the Olympics last year, and the Summer Olympics usually garners a ton of attention, and it didn't even get that much attention. I didn't watch very much of it, you know. Also, it's scary that that China wins so many things now. I don't know if they're like that. Oh. Actually, I probably will watch speed skating because the Koreans always win first and second speed skating. <laughs> nice. Oh, it's also it's also in China this year, so they got the home mm-hmm. they got the home field advantage. They'll be used to the smog and everything. It'll be, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just weird. I also think maybe it's because of like the, there there were some protests that were going on about like the the Chinese treatments of like the Uyghurs and stuff. I think there's some maybe that's kind of why it's a little bit quieter. Yeah. COVID, COVID too. Um, yeah. So, Mark, are we only are we only on Spotify? Or are we we're on, on Apple? Spotify. We're on Spotify and Anchor. I think we can get on Apple. That's my bad. I can look into. Well, it, I don't. I don't even know if it matters. Like, but can you? If you don't have Spotify, can you listen to podcasts on Spotify still? Or do you have to? I don't know. I mean, we're not. I don't think I'll have to look into it. Otherwise, well, we might strike because well, we don't like Joe Rogan. So. Oh I'm right, yeah. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But... Unless you take Joe Rogan's podcast down, we will not publish on Spotify. <laughs> That's our official statement as of now. Yeah. Um, okay, one Speed quick, one quick life update. I want to, I want to let everyone in on. I, I just needed to do something for me. Uh, about a month ago, there was a. I was, I was at Old Navy, which is where in the future I'll probably that's kind of my clothing store old Navy. That's where I get everything. It's a good store. It's a great store. Uh, there was a cute girl working at the front. And so, you know, went up there, like talked for a little bit, thought she was, thought she was cute, checked out. And I was like, you know what? Why don't I just like, I just wanted to prove to myself that like I could give a girl my number and like, just like go up and talk to her in public. And so I went back in line and I bought like some socks or something and no, no, no. Okay. So I didn't even buy anything the second time around. So I just like, I just like wrote my, my number on a piece of paper is like, Hey, like I'm not here to return anything, but I just want to say, if you ever want to go out, uh, here's my number. Well, and, quick sidebar. Yeah. This would have been a perfect time for you to use one of your business cards, but you did not I don't have, I don't have business cards anymore. I'm, oh, okay. I'm done with the business cards, so, but it was, yeah. So I just wrote my number on a like a, a piece of paper like i carry around a little notebook with me wrote my number on that left it didn't think anything of it i was like she's most likely not going to message back 
it's like whatever but like i did it like i was like i do it was just like a just to prove that i still had some guts you know so she t- about last sunday she texted me it'd been like probably been almost a month it'd been like three weeks and so she's like hey this is the girl from old navy i'm like what like you just decided to text me so we get to talking and turns out she's turns out she's uh 18 and still in high school so didn't work out uh but I think we were both kind of flattered. I was flattered that she texted and she was flattered that I gave her my number. And it was a, it was a really positive experience all around, even though she's in high school. So and that's the other problem is I'm getting worse and worse at determining the age of people. It's so hard. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard with masks, but you've always, you've always dated younger girls. I feel like, which is not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's my life update. We're going to, we're going to, jump on with Brixton here right now. Actually, before we hop in, we decided it's it's more natural and it's a lot better for our guests and us if we just start talking um, and then start the podcast at some point. Uh, there's not really a good part for us to start at in this episode. And so basically, just to catch us up, we're just talking about Jordan Peterson and his new, um, relatively new episode on Joe Rogan. And that's kind of where we jump in. I feel like it was way different than any of his other ones i thought jordan was more felt like he was giving more hot takes than he usually does <laughs> i totally agree and then i felt like joe rogan was more disagreeable than he usually is yeah well and i think he was a little bit at, i only hard? listened to like two hours but like i <laughs> think listen he listened to two hours of it bro come on <laughs> i know such a plea i feel like jordan was actually more in his wheelhouse talked a lot more about psychology and stuff which yeah. i mean i kind of liked but well he started off with just like going right into climate change and like, there's no way to predict climate change. And like, that was, <laughs> that was like a bunch of articles to begin with. And then like Jordan will do this thing where he like, he says something like he is very specific in like how he words things. Like, like when he chooses his language, like he has probably thought about it for hours and like, so, but like he'll say something in a way that, like Joe or like the audience probably doesn't understand unless you like listen to him a ton and like know what his intention is behind it. So then Joe will be like, so you, you, you believe like, this is what you're trying to say. And then he'll like keep repeating the same thing without clarifying his statement. And then finally Joe will like piece together what he's like really trying to say. Like there was some, I I don't know. He has really strong language. And so like he can, it sounds pretty convincing, but sometimes when I'm listening to Joseph Peterson, I think he's at his best when he just like, says what he's thinking because sometimes he just goes on and on and it's really like basically variables compound so you can't it's hard to predict things if you don't have good information at the beginning yeah and that was like a 20 minute bit you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and then he, like, about early. I'm, I'm rereading 12 rules for life right now uh-huh. and i'm only on chapter two so this is my second read through and it's just like his reasoning and everything is so thick mm-hmm. it feels yes. like the yeah, so sometimes it's like I'll read the first couple paragraphs and then I get lost, so I'll just skip to the last couple paragraphs of the chapter, and it's like, oh, like I, I get it all. I think it's super hard to actually do a like audiobook of his because like I feel like you actually have to read it a to like comprehend it a lot, but like it's hard because I I listen to audiobooks to and from work. But like the 20 minutes, like it doesn't give me enough time to get in and like remember what he's talking about. I don't remember yeah. what when I read 12, 12 rules for life. I actually just reread it recently, too. I can't I always forget what step I'm on. Like I'll get halfway through the chapter. I'm like, what was the point? Is this what's this rule? It's like, I know I'm talking about Adam and Eve, but like, what's what's the rule? Yeah. yeah. What's the rule? Yeah. 
All of that being said, total side note, when I was in sixth grade, my elementary school teacher, we had like the history textbooks, right? Uh, <laughs> no joke. The way he taught us how to read a history textbook was to look at the section and like if the header is a big header or a small header, it kind of like, if it's a small header, you only had to read the topic sentence. <laughs> but if it was a big header, all you read was the first three sentences and the last three sentences of the section. And that's how I did history for a whole year of my that's, schooling. That's genius because I took AP history and man, they give you so much reading. And you're like, what am I supposed to do with all this reading? So I think, <laughs> yeah. like, I, and it's cool that she's like honest about it. She's like, yeah, like if it's this... If it's a subsection, just read the like the first sentence or whatever. Like it's something that stuck with me, where it's like, hey, I, I want to try to explain this as, as in as little words as possible. Yeah. Why use many words when we do few words? Have, have you played? Andrew and I just played like on a like a double date this weekend. It's this game. It's like poetry for cavemen or something like that. <laughs> have you played that? No. You got to look it up after this. It is like it's you basically have to give like. You have to it, – it's like catchphrase, but you can only use one-syllable words. <laughs> and so the whole time it's like if your word is butter, like – and I'm trying to explain it to Mark. It's like you cook with this – Like milk. Milk. <laughs> yeah. Meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's just like you just – you can't do it or like – uh, I think one of the words was toilet. So it's like, I sit here to poop. <laughs> Super funny. No, there's some games. Uh, I think, what do you mean? I think is a fantastic game. <clears throat> and then the one where you're, you're doing a text conversation, but everybody has to like contribute a text message and they're just random text messages. I haven't heard about that one. What's that? that? One, I don't know, but I saw people or like we played it. I can't remember, but it was just like, I, I haven't actually played it, but I saw it at the other game night and stuff. And it actually looked like it'd be tons of fun. I'll have to do a little bit more research onto it, but yeah. Okay, yeah. I now I'm just I have so many like whatever. I'll move on. I'll move on. But like, okay. I confession. So, no. Go ahead. I hate I hate game nights, guys. I hate games in general. Oh, they're terrible. I hate I what but I like the what do you like I don't wanna I go to game nights not like I don't like games where I have to think. Very usually. Have I you play like, Catan? I have played Catan, yes. I, I like game. <laughs> I like games where I, I yeah. It's like what do you mean? Where like the the whole point is like is a joke or like I don't know. I have a hard. I don't want to go to game nights to think. That's my time off. Yeah, I started. I started getting really. Uh, what's the word? Antagonistic. Going to game nights to like. I'm getting married this year. I'm like I'm turning thirty this year. That's like a full ten years worth of game nights. Uh, you know what I mean? Of just like, at first, like, I feel like it was only lasted like my first six months post mission where I'm like, Oh, I could go to a game night. Like, Oh, this is fun. <laughs> and then like, now I got to the point where it's like, if anyone says like, Oh, let's play signs. Like, I just want to throw them out a window or yeah. something. It was like, I don't want to play this. It's like, it gets old after like, sometimes it's fun if I haven't done it for a while, but it gets old after like 30 minutes. It's, I feel like I have to like act to be more excited than I am. Yeah. The problem is I don't know a better way. I don't have an alternative to like getting people together. You know, it's like for me, I invite people over to watch a sporting event. That's like, but well, if if someone doesn't want to do it, like it's like, all right, you don't want you don't want to do a game night. What do you want to do? I'm like, I don't have a I don't have a great idea. Probably well, just would, not see anyone. Yeah, honestly, I would way rather have like a charcuterie board and just talk to people. Than no one night. wants. No dude actually wants the charcuterie board. Do they? They're good. No, they're good. 
Do you think so, Dallin? Whole bunch yeah. of emulsified meats. Well, dude, like do, you, you don't show up and expect to be like full. You're not. Oh well, yeah. Uh, maybe that's my problem. Where it's like, <laughs> look, if you're gonna feed me, like feed me. I don't, don't treat it like a meal. And but... I'm lactose intolerant, so it's like, oh, a uh, cheese board. It's like that's literally the last thing I so need. I have bread and jerky essentially. Yeah, yeah. So like, my sister will make these big ones for Christmas and stuff, and I just like, all right, take a handful of meat and like <laughs> put on a cracker, no cheese. No, but so I just leave the cracker too. I just eat the meat. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, you, I, it's pretty weird. Speaking of Jordan Peterson, is like you and I have actually been kind of doing the carnivore diet or like a modified version of it. And like, because you eat some vegetables, but you mainly just eat I steak eat like every steak. night. Yeah. I think I've had a steak every night. You've had a steak every night. And that's yeah, like our only meal. Pretty much. Our house smells permanent <laughs> steak. Like, I know. It's, it's bad. Like, we feel like smokers because I feel like you're just going to be washing the walls after we leave or something. Well, it's like I came into the apartment a couple days ago and like there's this literal like wall of smoke. I was like, ah, Mark, you cooking? I'm cooking. So Man, it's kind of right steak. That's a, I mean, I say that's a lot of meat, but like it's really hard for me to. I, it's hard for me to meal prep without it's just so easy to have meat as the base of a meal i just don't know what else to do like i it's too fancy or too creative if i try to like replace meat with like i, I don't have time for that like i just gonna let's 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 use some ground beef let's let's throw make some chili like i don't i don't know how else to do it yeah yeah no it definitely is it's pretty hard and there's a lot of planning involved in eating carnivore but i honestly have felt great i've only done it for like a week and a half I felt great. Yeah. I've lost like four pounds, but that could just be water. Who knows? So, we'll anyways. Um, but speaking of dating, I mean, like you mentioned, you're turning 30 this year. You're finally married. You didn't age out. Getting married. Yeah. Barely <laughs> avoided aging out. So in your, in your, I don't know, 10 years of YSA, do you have any words of wisdom, words of hope for, for those that are still plugging along in the YSAs. It gets better. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I don't know. It probably gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> All depends yeah. on like mindset. Yeah. I mean, that's 10 years. And then you, you're you getting married in, in April. In May. In May. In May. Oh, pushing it back, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, just cold feet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, first, first week of May, we're getting married. It's super cool. Dating was like always been super hard for me. I think the the thing I struggled with most <clears throat> is just the like the ability to meet someone that you don't know, you don't have any history with, and then to be able to I don't know to like like to to form like a deep relationship with them. Like for me, I I just I don't know what it is. Like I don't attribute it to like any like childhood events or anything. Like I had a great growing up, but for some reason, it's just hard for me. Like every girl that I've dated, it really difficult for me to wrap my mind around. Like hey, like I'm gonna invest like emotional capital into you, but I have no no assurance that like this is actually gonna stick. Like yeah. it can't go into their heart. It can go onto their heart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. But that's always been the hardest part of dating for me. So like started dating my fiance. Uh, it was really, really nice because we actually grew up together. So we've known each other forever. Uh, no. and, and so that was just really nice to already have that established baseline. But I realize like that's not everyone's case. So. Yeah, well, I mean, I think Down agrees with me, but it's like I feel like I I want to date people that I get to know first, like not in a dating like situation. I feel like it's a lot easier once you get to know the the girl over time, like at work or in a class or something. Mm -hmm. And then you get to know each other and then you slowly like realize she's really cool. 
Yeah. He's really, and then like, I feel like that is so much easier for me to do than like, I'm going to ask you on a date. I have no idea who you are. You just look pretty, but we're going to see if like my jokes land. If like, you know, yeah, like it's just yeah. like, and like, if we want to spend more time with each other, it's like a job interview almost, you know, it's like the well, first, first date is like a trial. First date right? questions. First date questions make me want to puke, you know, it's just like that. Yeah, I have a, I have a buddy talk. who just went on a uh, first date a couple months ago where she brought like a jar of questions to ask. And like, these weren't just like your casual dating questions. Like obviously like a LDS, you know, both members of the church, it was like, let me pull a question out of the jar. And some of them were like, what are, what are your thoughts, opinion, thoughts and opinions about proper garment use? Oh my gosh. And it's just like, I don't, I don't like, I wear them. You know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's quite the, the first date. So yeah, I don't know. There is, there is like a game that has to be played. Cause like, I think on a first date for me, and maybe you guys agree. It's like, I love deep conversations and everything where it's like, if you really want to hash this out right now, I'm game. Like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a, that sounds like a good dinner conversation. But for the vast majority of, of people our age, it's like, no, like, I actually want to see you in that game night setting first. And I want to see you play signs and I want to see you silly and see yeah. like, if you're someone like appealing to me in that way before we, well, we go I think, that way. I think a lot of people want that. That's like what really people want is the, the deep conversations, but like, I don't know. It's scary to have a deep conversation with people. I went, I went on a date with a girl pretty recently. First date, mutual date. And it was seemed like it was going to be one of those like generic dates, right? Where we're just, we're just, you know, basic questions. It's off surface level. Then all of a sudden, like we're driving the car and she just like, just gets super deep. And it was, it was actually kind of cool. It was like, I was like, this is, she's like asked like how, like it was basically, she didn't word it this way exactly, but it's like, how is your relationship with the savior? Like, well, how is like Christ part of us? Holy crap. Like I was not, that's to be asked the the right way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I do think that's why, I don't know, somebody told me, I don't really believe in checklists and relationships or whatever, but it's like, this guy believes strongly in like, you need to take a road trip or go camping with a girl before you really consider deeply dating her. And, but I think there's a little bit of wisdom to that because you get to like, if it's a seven hour car ride, you, you, it, it's either going to be a deep conversation or you know that it's going to be a bad weekend. You know? <laughs> Either way, you're gonna you're gonna and, get your answer. And I think it's important, like you see each other in different settings, or I think one of the sayings is that like you you want to make sure you see the person in every season. Yeah, if you've ever heard that saying before, I, I think there's some wisdom to it. No, you definitely need to. I think it's important to see your significant other get really mad, really upset, and totally. to like see how you deal with it first. Totally, because chances are she's she is gonna get mad at you and argue with you more than anybody else in your life. Yeah. Right. And that's just like, cause you, you're, you're dealing with money together. You, you have to raise kids together. Like it's going to come up. There's just gonna be things you disagree on that are important. Yeah. yeah. So there's one thing you brought up earlier, just like uh, lessons learned or something like yeah. as cheesy as that is. I think one thing I've been thinking about lately is that, uh, and I'd be curious what you guys think. I feel like mentally the past 10 years, especially when you're like active member, right. It's like, uh, I'm about as Mormon as it gets. And so uh, I think like sometimes I, I take it. Um, well, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I've noticed mentally several times, like over the past 10 years where I for sure equated my self worth by like the status of like my relationship status. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, Hey, like 
if I'm not actively dating people, like if I'm not, not like I'm in a relationship, but even like if I'm not going out on dates, like I start to feel really, really bad about myself or really lousy or for some reason I would look at other people and think like, because they're dating or because they're engaged or married, like they're at a, a higher spiritual level than where I am. And, uh, or, or even just like, not even spiritual, just like they're further in life than you and maybe you're older than them or something. You yeah. Know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Which at this point I'm, you know, I am, yeah. uh, or, you know, like I taught at the MTC for six years and like you run into some of the missionaries that you taught like brother Gardner, like what's up, what's new? It's like, well, I'm still working. Like, are you married? No. And I'm looking at them and like, they're married with two kids or I something. And I'm like, well, you know, good for you. Uh, so I, I think it took some mental work just to like get that out of my system. I think there are some things, right. You like you attend church and, uh, marriage and family is taught a lot, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. But then also sometimes I think in a YSA setting, you have like the, you know, top leadership is still staffed by older people. So then you feel like younger and like, Oh, I can't, I can't break free or be like a full adult until yeah. I, I get the key out of here. And the key is either aging out or marrying out. So it's well, true. Yeah. Like you don't feel like, even though I'm like, I'm, I'm ex- like, yeah, even though you you're 25, whatever, 28, whatever, however old you are on the YSA, it does, it, it, you don't, yeah, it's almost like it, how do you get over that in the, because I, I totally feel the same way. Like if you're not, like if you're not married, no matter like if, if it's a 22 year old guy that's married, I'm 25, I could have a full-time job and be, you know, more advanced in a lot of ways in life. But if I'm not married, like you feel like you're farther behind than the 22. Yeah. Years. yeah. Like, it's the so odd. A bit is that like, so the way like we're having the conversation right now, one thing I also think is interesting is that like people are, people are like geared to take the conversation and look at it different ways. Let me just give a couple of examples. So like some people will look at this like, Hey, Brixton feels less valued or Dallin feels less valued because of his like status as like being single as a member of the church. Therefore, like something institutional and like the church needs to change sort of a deal. Yeah. Uh, whereas like the way I look at it is like, and, and I wasn't always at this point, but the way I look at it now is like, okay, if I'm coming to church and I'm feeling that way, like I'll take an honest assessment. Maybe there are some things in like my ward or some of the things that are set over the pulpit, but there's a 95% chance. It's literally just like me tripping. Well, so in the case like Dallin, you just gave where it's uh you know, Hey, I'm looking at this 22 year old who's like still in school getting married. And I feel like he's further in life. It's like, well, that's of no fault to the 22 year old getting married. Like good for them. Yeah. You know, like more, more power to them. They still got a lot of learning to do and more power to me because I have a lot of learning to do. So like, and, and I have good successes in my life as well. Well, and that's like an important part of it. It's just like, you have to realize, I think that's what most problems is like, 95% of the problem, if it's a perception issue, it's just on you. Yeah. You know, like you can blame the world, you can blame the government, you can blame a lot of things, but like most of the time, if you're doing well in life, you feel good about everything. Like no matter if the world's burning, you're going to feel okay. And you're going to feel encouraged and you're going to be like, you know, but I, I think also, it's, it's so it's, that's so hard. Like, yeah, it, I mean, it's a hard truth, but I think it's the truth. Well, hard, hard in the sense of like, if I'm going through that in the moment, it's like, how do I, how do I sift out? you know, maybe, maybe my friend or maybe my partner is really ticking me off. Like there are these things that they're doing that are, that are really, really bothering me. How do I sift through whether or not like this is genuinely something they're doing that's bothering me or is it just my perception? Yeah. Like, like how do you sift through that? 
uh, I think you can almost always air that there's something that you're doing that's might be contributing. Or something. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's a, it's hard. It's yeah. hard. I, anyway. Can I go? Can I go back to what you said about I? You you mentioned that you it's it's easy to like want to blame the structure of the church for like the way like oh I feel like because I'm 25 and I feel worse than the person who's you know 22 and married that it's a stru- structural issue. The last podcast Mark and I did that hasn't been put up yet um, was with my dad. My dad is a YSA branch president. He he talks about in the podcast how uh, they kind of asked his branch back in Rhode Island that my, my dad and my mom run to be kind of like this this focus group almost of like what can we do to like to better to make the YSA experience better to like keep people in the church longer. And they did there were some little things that they changed. But in general, kind of what my parents have told me, what they learned is that if we actually just instituted the things the church has already put in place and like really lived that, then that's like, like most of the problems that like were expressed could be solved through that. So it's kind of interesting. It's just a lot of it. It is a lot of it's just a personal, like it's a personal problem. Like it's just, it's, yeah. And not that like, if you feel down on yourself, it's not, like not not to say that it's oh it's because you're you're not living the gospel right or you're not being as active in the church as you should but yeah a lot of times it's yeah it's just kind of your perception of things yeah well i think there's another side of this coin too is like i just i had a buddy he made a little bit older i think he was late in his 27th year of life i don't know he's 27 <laughs> 27th year of life well wouldn't that be his 28th i don't know I don't uh, anyways um, he got a, married a little bit later, according to church standards. I don't think it's a big deal, right? But <clears throat> I was talking to his mom. She's a good family friend. Um, and I was just asking about how he was doing and all that stuff. And she goes, well, he's been married a year. And, like, it's really interesting because she was like, I think he thinks that getting married would fix a lot of, like, the voids or problems in his life. And it doesn't. You know, it's just like – you're, you're the same person before you get married and after you get married, you might have like some changes, like big changes in your life. But like by and large, like the problems and things that you have before you're married aren't going to just be fixed. So by, he's not, he's not having know. sex, huh? Yeah, I guess that's the problem, right? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like sex is like the holy grail for, for, you know, people in the church. Cause we're all 20 year old something versions. Right. But I don't know. I feel like once you get past that, like life is just life. You know, yeah, it's like there are most things. I think people struggle because they say. Uh, so again, coming to this idea of like, like you, you are the biggest game changer in your life. There's like we we place our bets on some external factor being the thing that's going to change things or make things better. But at the end of the day, like you're the captain of your own ship, and like your life is largely determined by the input that you put into it. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's not to say that there are like external factors that can affect that. Right. Um, that certainly has to be yeah, taken into account, but I think like, it's just interesting that, uh, yeah, the marriage thing is always a common one. And I've been guilty of thinking that it's several times too, where it's yeah. like, Hey, I'm really miserable right now. I remember specifically when I was 22 years old, I had just turned 22. I remember that birthday and there are like some things happening in my life at the time that I felt like were really dramatic and like my life was in shambles sort of a deal. Um, but in my mind it was like, okay, because like, like once I get married and you know, that at the time felt like really distant and something like unattainable. Yeah. 
but yeah, that, that in my mind was the golden ticket. And I was miserable as a result that like the, that I couldn't get it. But now but, in retrospect, it's like, I mean, if you got married right then though, like I'm sure those issues would have still stuck around for a while. You'd have been oh, like, for sure. maybe it was the wrong girl or I don't know. Like <clears throat> you would have made some excuse for it. For yeah. sure. For sure. So, here's, 23 here's, was my bad year. <laughs> yeah. Everyone has them. Well, I turned 23. I thought I was freaking 50 years old. I was like, I haven't done anything with my oh, life. Geez. Yeah. All my friends are graduating. Dude, I'll tell you one thing on that point. Sorry, Dylan. One thing on that point, super quick. Uh, I feel sometimes that uh, young people are just the most demanding. Uh, like sometimes like at work, I, I might have told you this before. I haven't told Dallin. At work, sometimes I'll, I'll hear from people where they talk about their career and it's like, well, like in six months time, if I'm not, if, if I'm not at a director level or if I'm not managing managers in, in some capacity, then like, I'm going to look for my next opportunity or jump ship. And I'm like, dude, you've been here for five seconds and you've been in your career for less than 18 months. Like chill out, yeah. chill out. Right. Like, it's like, dude, like you're in your mid twenties, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Uh, there's, there's this thing like, you know, uh, Hey, I, I really want to get rich now. So I'm going to put like my whole life savings into crypto or something like that. And like it's a bank on it. Take hey, Mark's yeah. right there. You don't have to call him out right in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's but, just, it's just funny that we do that. And well, I, and I, I don't know. I feel like at this age, like between 18 and 30, we feel like we have to accomplish everything. Like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, it's just, it's. I feel like a lot of people, once they kind of get married and have kids, like a lot of your kid, I don't know, maybe it's because your kids become your life and it's a lot harder to do things for you. But you, I feel like um, people feel like they have to accomplish or get to where they want to be by the time they're like 30 or they're married and have, they have kids. And then like, I don't, not to, I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people then kind of just coast and I don't know. I, I think it's just because you're getting old, like you can still accomplish things once you get older. It's like, I almost feel like we feel like we need to accomplish everything we really want to accomplish. Like before, you know, we, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense before we get no, married and have kids. I totally agree. Cause there's a ton of people in their fifties doing amazing things and don't feel old. Right. But like, we're like, if we don't do it in our thirties or we don't do it now and get success, like the rest of our lives are ruined. But no, I totally feel that. Um, and it is harder know, to I, do. It is harder to do things once you when you when you get older too. So I, I understand yeah. that. But well, um, I don't know. Speaking of careers, um, we're not going to name any organizations' names or anything like that. But I know that you've had kind of a little bit of a career in politics, mm-hmm. um, not as a politician, nope. but <laughs> not yet. Um, yeah, but you, <laughs> you, got, you got a pretty significant job offer out east. Um, and I don't know, like, maybe you could just warm us up and tell us about I don't know, your, your career in politics totally. and like what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, worked for six years for the church, kind of like some background. Yeah. And you guys know that, like worked six years for the church. Great experience. Could talk about that for days. <laughs> <clears throat> and then decided like, hey, politics is something I've always been interested in. Uh, I do a lot of reading, like economic policy, American history, uh, and, and I've always felt like it's important or passionate. So I thought like, Hey, I should insert myself into it. So I moved out East for a second to work, uh, just on contract, just for that event for one of the biggest political firms in the, in the country, really in the world. They like, uh, attendance to these events historically has been like 15,000 people, just like insane Jeez, yeah. numbers. Um, 
And so I, I went to go work, do like- Are you talking PR. about the Capitol riots? Is that where the event you were at? <laughs> close, uh, close. I can make a lot of jokes there, but the, yeah. So go out and I work with them uh, and it, have this great experience. And I think like working in politics, what it showed me, and I don't know if I'm answering your question or not, but like when, when I worked there, there were, I had about four job offers on the table uh, to work for that firm and then for a few others in the area, just in four months of networking. Um, you now, the pandemic had just started at the same time. So I have these four job offers on the table and then everything shutting down simultaneously. And that was like, probably goes without saying, extremely stressful. Because I thought, hey, like I I almost felt trapped because I thought, hey, I have these four job offers. I don't feel particularly good about any of them. Yet if I go back, like there's no work right now. Like everyone's getting laid off because of the pandemic. So I felt just stuck between like a rock and a hard place. Like what am I supposed Uh to do? Um, Kind of going back to your question, I think like those those job offers for politics like two years later has still been on the table. Like they they still and you know this like. Yeah. knock on my door every four to six months and say, Hey, like we'd really like you. And I have a good like freelance relationship with them where I've, I've gone out and still worked a few events. Well, and I think we had a conversation about this down <laughs> where he was telling me that like um, a lot of people out there, it's a very, very stressful work environment, right? Everybody's kind of out of each other's throats, but like if you can just handle stress, like they want you. So, so what my experience was is like I go in and yeah, a very stressful environment. And I think there are a lot of factors into it, but like, you know, this is a very high profile event that you're doing that has like the entire white house in attendance. Like that is stressful. It does not get more high profile than that literally on planet earth. Yeah. Um, And so I understood the stress. I think a lot of people just let it break them not to make like a, make this like a church devotional video (laughs) though. It's just, you know, I, I entered that environment knowing that, I was going to be unique and that like, I have a, I have a belief system, not that others had didn't have beliefs, but like, this is something that like genuinely guides my life and I can speak to it. I can articulate it. So it's not just like, Hey, I'm a Christian. It's like, Hey, I believe in Jesus Christ. Therefore, this is what my life looks like. And these are the principles that I follow. Like very articulate. I think serving a mission helps with that working for the church as long as I did. And so there are several settings where, everyone around me on my team would be having these figurative meltdowns where it's just like this, they would buckle under stress. They didn't know how to react as a result. They would get like really angry, like swearing at each other, sort of a deal. (laughs) Um, Yet like me in the office and at the events day in and day out was even keeled the entire time, very friendly and most importantly, like just delivered high results. Yeah. And so in their mind, it's like, this is unheard of. Like, how do you do this? And so it's called the Holy ghost, it's called the Holy ghost. <laughs> but what was really cool, like for me on a personal note, at the end of that experience, it's like, for me, it felt like something you hear in like a general conference talk or something at the end, when they were making the job offers, like what was expressed to me by the executive director there, when I was on the phone with him was like, Brickson, what we value most about you is the fact that like, you can stay cool and collected no matter what happens. And you always deliver. Boom. And I was like, okay, like that's, that's really, really cool. And so that was like one of the first moments for me where, uh, I don't know, like just post mission, like I've, I've just been living in Utah the entire time and I've worked for the church 
And that was a really cool setting to see that, you know, like other people even have value in the way that I choose to live my life, which is really neat. And that's why you should hire Brixton. Yeah. You're awesome. I'm not, I'm not looking for a job for the record. I have great income. <laughs> no, you love your job. So. Well, there's a lot of uh, employers that listen to this, so you're probably going to yeah. get some offers. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know all the 20 something year olds listen to this. Yeah. But, okay. Um, <laughs> some of them ask me like, Hey, do you want to do door to door sales? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But okay, um, Don, I don't know if you have this ready, but I know you stalked Brixton a little bit on Instagram. You wanted to, you want to ask him a few questions? Wait, maybe? okay. Before we get to that, before we get to that, uh, do you have more trust after working for the church for a long time? After working, at like kind of being close to the government, the central government, do you have more trust in the way the church runs or the government, or how? How much worse do you feel about how the government runs than the church runs? Oh, that that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. In both cases, what you see, so when you work for, uh, no matter what organization you work in or you spend time in, you're going to find, here's like the takeaway principle. You're going to find that people closest to the problem know best how to solve it. I know that principle has like a fancy name to it. I proximity. Proximity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The proximity principle. Yes. And so uh, again, like in layman's terms, like people, <laughs> people closest to the problem know how, best how to solve it. And so the church is a really large organization. I think what allows it to function as well as it does is that it operates more on like a local level. Like, like every individual unit is empowered to take care of their wards and to take care of their members, right? Like States rights. Well, (laughs) in in theory, it should be the same. Like you look at the country and it should be like, Hey, you have the federal government, you have salt Lake that mandates like how not, not mandates, but coordinate to make sure there's like universal rights, right? Like, so Salt Lake city, for example, is making sure that ordinances are the same worldwide. And it's, it's the same yeah. core gospel that's taught. Um, what happens at like the, the federal level though, is that they get so involved in individual or local issues where it's like, you're not best equipped to solve this. I am like, yeah. why, why are you butting in? The, the thing that did it down to give you an example was, I remember in the 2020, it was, it was the 2020 race. I think it was in 2019, Elizabeth Warren was running for president. If you remember her, uh-huh. Pocahontas. <laughs> Pocahontas, yep. Pocahontas. And uh, she was giving a town hall. And one of the students, I can't remember, it, it's, this, uh, it's this kid, like maybe late elementary school, junior high. But this kid might have been transgender, can't remember, but is asking a question to Elizabeth Warren about, uh, about bullying. Saying, hey, I I get bullied in school. Like what, you know, when you're elected president, what can you do to help bullying, right? Any any rational human is going to look at that and say like, you know what? She's going to do nothing about bullying. Like, (laughs) and it's it's not a knock on her character. It's not a knock on like anyone's capability. You just just, can't do it. Dude, you live in Oklahoma. You live in like podunk middle of nowhere at this elementary school and like, Senator Warren lives in Washington, DC. Like what on earth is she going to do? Like the real answer is like you and your community need to solve this. Talk right? to your school district. Like you're yeah. exactly, exactly. One of the, it, that's, that's one of the things that drives me nuts. Uh, the most refreshing thing you could ever see in politics right now would be someone standing up there and saying, Hey, like the best thing we can do is empower local institutions and organizations to take care of their communities, right? Churches, for example, are like tax exempt for a reason. And it's because religious or religious institutions know how to take care of their people. 
So the government looks at that and say, hey, we want to make sure you have all the resources necessary to do that. Uh, anyways, Dallin, long story short, I trust the church with my money and my uh, my uh, well-being over the government any day, any time. I mean, we, our tithing paid a salary, so. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. I'd be, concerned, I'd be concerned if you said, if you said the government. Um but I knew you wouldn't. So don't don't trust anyone who says that. Yeah. No, I mean it really is true. Like you, you can't have the federal government coming in and trying to put out the California fires once California's drunk. No, you know, well, like, well, you know. I to mean, be you fair, can, you can help. And stuff, to be fair, but, California can't even do that for itself. So. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's true. I think Wyoming runs really well. I mean, I love. I'm very proud of Wyoming's government because it it operates on a local level, and like all the issues that they deal with are local and like pertinent. You know, yeah. and like you really should be governed more by like your city council or your county more so than the federal government. Yeah. yeah. And look, like I don't I don't claim to know like that much about politics. But, <laughs> you I know, mean, for, it makes sense to me. But so. but here in our conversation is the principle again, you are the captain of your own ship. Yeah. So like even at a, like the way we deal with politics sometimes is like, hey, we're having this issue in our community. So we need to pump the problem over to D.C. and like D.C. needs to solve it. Right. I was like, no, 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 no. Like you have the power and you have the resources and capability to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So you should just do it. Fair enough. Next time we'll do a special podcast on why the set, why the, it's bad that the central government is taking so much authority away from the local leaders. But yeah. Well, yeah. Um, who in your opinion loves democracy more? Uh, Emperor Palpatine or Joe Biden? Loves democracy more. <laughs> I mean, it has to be Joe Biden only because he hasn't consolidated all power yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Yet. You right. look at him and you hear him talk and you know he's at the point of the movie where Mace Windu's just owned him with lightning. Yeah. Uh, because like he's like barely functioning. Uh, but he hasn't made that like grand announcement yet in the in the Senate. Yeah. So by you know, it has to be Biden by that logic. All right. So <laughs> I did <laughs> I did That's a great question. Thank you. I I went through your Instagram. Uh I will say the most in, the most interesting Instagram I've ever stalked was Eddie Dubay. Uh he he was hilarious. We had he has some wild yeah. Yeah. He's some wild posts back in the day. You have one where let's see. This is October 29th, 2016. You're in a Jigglypuff uh That's costume. Right. All the ladies trying to catch me. Hashtag #Halloween. Can you explain yourself? Yep. Yeah, totally. So I found I'm a huge Pokemon fan. Uh, I've been playing the new Pokemon game nonstop for the past week. It's really good. What's the new Pokemon game? You haven't heard about it? No. Are you familiar <laughs> with video games? Anyone? <laughs> I Pokemon as a kid. I, I played it on the Game Boy a lot. Yeah. So Pokemon Go, Pokemon I know what game. it is. Are you familiar with Breath of the Wild, Zelda? It's like the open world. Do you know what Skyrim is? Yes. You okay. like walk around. Like- so the new Pokemon game is an open world Pokemon game, meaning like when you leave the village for the first time and there's like a there's a Pikachu there, the, it doesn't enter like a battle screen. There's no random encounters. Like it's just there in the wild and you have like a little target and you can move and then throw a Pokeball and like catch it right then and there. So it feels just like the TV show or something where like, hey, I'm going to village to village to like help people along the way and catch the rarest Pokemon that I can. I've been all into it. 
I have like some mission companions that are also playing too. It's like, I'm 30 years old. Uh, that's the, that's the modern millennial right there. I am just so grateful. I asked Andrew to marry me before, (laughs) you know, otherwise she'd watch me play this and be like, you're getting excited over this. Like, are you five? What were we talking about? (laughs) Well, I asked you, I asked you about the costume. Jigglypuff, Jigglypuff. Yeah. That post. So I Jigglypuff, I am at a thrift store and I see that costume for $3. And I, I like, I absolutely have to buy it. So it's one of these like slip on things. You have to like, I had to put my hands straight up like this and then have someone like slide it onto me. Right. Because it was made for a kid. Uh, And then I wore pink leggings (laughs) and I just ran around promo as Jigglypuff. And the best part is that uh, we stopped at Burger King that night just to get some chicken nuggets from party to party. No joke. I kid you not. I'm standing there in line waiting and I, uh, I hear like a little voice behind me say, excuse me. And I turn around and it's this kid. And he's like, do you think I could catch you? <laughs> and he's holding a Pokeball because he's a Pokemon trainer. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like right there at Burger King, like the kid just throws this Pokeball at me. It kind of like hits, black eye. <laughs> hits my leg, bounces off. And I'm like, whoa, like good. Like I'm a rare catch. <laughs> and he just kind of picked up his ball and ran away. So like it kind of fun. That is kind of fun. That's really special. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. The other the other post that kind of caught my eye. You should like these posts while you find them. All right, I like like, I like for like. Like <laughs> like for like. It says we are both dragon energy. He is my brother, Kanye. And then it's you and some kid like this. Oh yeah. I just thought it was a good picture. Uh, that's my best friend, Chandler. Uh, that caption, so I think that's 2018. Is that right? This is uh, June 11, 2018, yep. So th- that's back in the glory days when Donald Trump was still on Twitter. <laughs> uh, and uh, Take me back. Take me back. <laughs> yeah, and so that is also when Kanye and Trump were having meetings in the White House. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that is the line that Kanye used to describe uh, Donald Trump. I have dragon. Energy. We uh, we are both dragon energy. He is my brother. So I just I told Chandler I was like, this is this is our friendship, man. This like is this us. is me and you, bro. We what are a, both dragon energy. What a weird duo, Kanye and Trump. <laughs> Can you imagine? So like the news cycle lately. Not to get back into this isn't really politics. It's just funny. The news cycle lately. You have like Joe Rogan. Uh, and everything like that. You have Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> and like the view. Did you hear about that one, Dallin? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have, you have like this crazy, and then you have like the, 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 uh, CEO of, uh, CNN, Jeffrey Zucker, that's stepping down because he was having this like affair with another top level executive for years. Uh, so like all this news cycle, like everyone's just getting burned and stuff. And I, I realized like I miss Donald Trump now more than ever. Oh, he would burn him way back. His, tw- his Twitter feed would be straight fire right now. <laughs> Could you imagine like everything he has to say about Whoopi Goldberg oh. <laughs> saying that the Holocaust yeah. wasn't about race? Like yeah. Donald Trump would be all over that. It's like, yes. Hey, love her, like love him or hate him. The guy's Twitter was a hundred percent comedy, just pure yeah, gold. Super fun. Yeah, we're gonna have to. I, I don't know. Do we get on Parlor or 4chan now? Like, how does that work? I don't know where he is. Yeah, I mean, he just needs a newsletter. I'm sure he has a newsletter somewhere. He does. A, he does occasionally. So what he does is that he'll put out these press releases, right? 
And but like he's deplatformed from everything. Yeah. But he puts out these press releases and news stations will just pick it up and then put it on Twitter really? and Facebook. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> I can still log on to Twitter and see the president's essentially his, his tweets. tweets. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're definitely more crazy now. Like he says some, not that they ever weren't crazy, yeah. but like now it's like a little more like, this makes me like uncomfortable sort of. Sure, they're, sure. they're just maybe what I'm trying to say is they're not as funny. Yeah. He's just a little bit more serious about stuff. You'll remember Kovefi. <laughs> Do you remember that one? No, it's not. There's a, there's a tweet he made towards the beginning of his presidency where <laughs> he, he was describing something as like, it's Kovefi. It's just this like, it's not a word. It's like C O V E F E F E or something like that. Do you not know this? No. Yeah, I'm gonna look it up right now. This is like literally one of the best moments. There's Kofefi. gotta it's got there's gotta be an entry on Urban Dictionary. Okay. Co C O V F E F E. Kovefi is a misspelling, widely presumed to be a typo, <laughs> that Donald Trump used in a viral tweet when he was US president. It instantly became an internet meme. This is Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Uh, six minutes after midnight on May 31st, 2017, <laughs> Trump tweeted, despite the constant negative, <laughs> despite the constant negative press, Kovefi, that's the entire tweet. What do you think he meant to say? <laughs> we don't know. So what's funny is that he, he deletes the tweet, but then he doubles down. <laughs> He deletes the tweet, but then he doubles down on it the next day saying, no, 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 it was intentional. Like, I meant to do that spelling and everything. <laughs> but it's like, bro, you deleted the tweet. Like, you should have just made another acronym. Yeah, <laughs> That's so funny. This is what Urban Dictionary has to say about it. <clears throat> uh, definition one is an unprecedented typo. Good pun there. And then this one's probably the best one. <clears throat> no one knows, knows yet, but the President of the United States of America used it in a tweet, so it must be bigly important word. It must be huge somewhere <laughs> somewhere as he knows all the best words as he knows all the best words <laughs> the best too you'll remember in uh was the beginning of 2020 when we killed that isis guy yeah and it was a big deal and all his twitter was this is donald trump in his prime all his twitter the only tweet he sends out about it in the moment is a picture of the american flag <laughs> that's it <laughs> like, that's that's so that that's cool. That's that's cool. That is like funny. you're president of the U.S. and like that's it. Like good for you. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Um, I'm not, just speaking about things. I mean, we've discussed a lot about movies recently. I feel like you yeah. and I are pretty big movie buffs. So we yep. like having conversations about it. But you've introduced like a a positive negative scale on things. Um, I, I'm I think it would be nice for you to kind of explain because I think it's a good take on movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here it is. There's. And I was actually kind of delighted. I have someone that I, I'm friends with on Twitter who uh, actually I found out has the same opinion, which was really fun. Good. Um, do, you, do you tweet? Not really. I, I follow. I've deleted my Twitter three times. My current account was blocked by a BYU professor, which is why <laughs> I keep it. And I haven't started a new one. What? Uh, yeah, I, I was blocked by a professor at BYU. With On Twitter? Or? On Twitter. She <laughs> blocked me. Oh, okay. A she? She blocked me. Yeah, it was not to not to do a Donald Trump thing again. Unsolicited dick pic. Uh, close. Okay. So she uh, she had tweeted back in uh, I think it was 2018. Trump had said something about like um, it, 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 what is it? What's the group? It's this gang 
super violent. Um, the sharks. No, the jets. <laughs> the jets. Like a like game. When you're a jet, you're always a jet. The uh, golly, what is it? I can't remember. Anyways, this this game Antifa? That, like what are we talking? <laughs> no, not Antifa. It, because it relates to immigration where it's like, hey, a lot of this gang is comprised of like illegal immigrants, but they're like very, very violent. I can't remember the name of it in the moment right now. Anyways, Donald Trump, like they had this press, like this uh, meeting with local sheriffs. One of them was from Fresno who had asked a question. She was like, hey, like we can't do this because of the laws in the books. Like we don't know how to deal with this. And Trump had called this group of, of uh, gang members. He called them animals. Uh, I think their motto is literally to like kill and rape. Oh, like okay, well. pretty, pretty, pretty bad guys. Yeah. Well, the next day, the New York Times headline is that Donald Trump calls all immigrants animals. I was like, this is. And so this BYU professor that I had had and I followed at Twitter at the time had retweeted it with the caption, Mormons, we should know of the we should know about the dangers of dehumanizing other groups. Like if you believe faith, whatever, like you'll stand up and blah, blah, blah. And so I read that and I'm like, well, I, I have to troll just a little bit. So I I just I I just comment and I'm like, hey, like, are you really making like a comparison between a peaceful religious group? And like a violent gang whose motto is literally to kill and rape other people. No response. But then she sends out this other tweet as like a subtweet, if you know what that is. Uh She subtweets me in like another tweet about like, I see a lot of people who don't see like the comparison. So like, here it is. Like still not answering the question. So I just ask her again and then she blocks me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What a beautiful place Twitter is. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, negative scale. Yeah, negative scale. Yeah. Okay, like back to the movies. Okay. The uh, yeah. So there's some things in life that are so bad they're good. Agreed. Right. Uh, Andrew and I just watched Napoleon Dynamite last month. I love that. Movie. And Napoleon Dynamite is like the dumbest movie. It is so dumb. It's like a dollar an hour. It's like a dumb. Yeah. It's so dumb, but it's it's so good. It like, really is. It's good. so bad. It's good. Therefore. <laughs> How do you how do you rate that on a scale from one to ten? When it's so bad, it's good. It's like, hey, like, do I really give that a nine when Batman Begins is also a nine? It's like it doesn't feel comfortable that they could be in the same realm. So what you do is that you introduce a negative scale. So you have negative 10 to 10. Zero being like the true center, like truly yeah. awful. Like uh, yeah. like okay. unwatchable. But like Napoleon Dynamite is a solid negative nine. Cobra Kai. Oh, okay. Cobra Kai is a negative seven. Uh, yeah, it's just distance from zero. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like uh, even Stevens, that's a Raven. Like they fall in like negative seven as like, well. Not true. Hot Rod. Yeah. Hot, hot Rod. Rod. I actually don't like Hot Rod. Oh much. come on, get oh, off my. it. We're in hot eight. Right yeah, like yeah. negative six. Hot Rod is so good. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. about ones? What about ones that are just bad? Like like they're bad, bad. Like for example, I was recommended to watch. The, there's a Will Ferrell Netflix movie where he's like an Icelandic, what, what's it called, Eurovision or something? Have you heard of this? Oh, I've seen. I never watched. Okay, it there's probably heard. a reason you haven't because it's the worst. It's the worst movie of all. Like it's not even fun. It's like bad funny. It's not like Blades well, of Glory bad. You don't remember the, the the closer to zero it is, the truly awful. So like on the positive side, I think is going to be like, wow, this has a lot of production value and it sucks. That means it's going to be on the positive side, closer to zero. Uh-huh. It's on the negative scale. It's like, this is just a really poorly made movie and it sucks. So it's like minus one. 
Yeah, yeah. Like like shark okay. Sharknado would probably be like a negative one or two. Yeah. Unless okay. you really thought it was fun. And then it'd be higher on your scale. Unless unless like, Sharknado is somewhat <laughs> watchable, then it earns more points. Yeah. Or exactly. less points. It's, but like, it's like yeah, a really bad, it. bad movie. Yeah, yeah. Know? I'm trying to think of more examples. Um well, actually, let's have you put kind of the Marvel Cinematic Universe on there. Like, Ooh. what are your thoughts on it? Okay, so Marvel Cinematic Universe, this could be a hot take. Um, I think it's really overrated. I think I'm just done. I loved it. I mean, I grew up with it, basically. Now we're at that stage where people have grown up with it. Yeah. Well, well, so, like, their recent works, like, if we go through them real quick, Spider-Man, overhyped. I, I really like Spider-Man. Overhyped. You're the uh, That's a seven. <laughs> Shang-Chi, that's a five. Uh, Eternals. I don't even. I didn't even. Eternals see it. is like a three. Eternals like, sucks. I hated it. I don't know why I got convinced to watch it. They get. They get so. They, they, here's the thing with Disney. You can say this about the Marvel universe. You can say this about Star Wars. It's like Disney has all the money and all the talent in the world, and so they look at all the money and all the talent that they have, and they're like, hmm, you know what we should do is just keep making the same old thing, like yeah. over and over again. It's like. Why not just come up with like an original thought? Well, that's how that's how old companies die. So there's like, you know, I mean, it's just kind of regression towards the mean, right? So all these big companies, like all these huge companies that existed in the 50s all died out just because they stayed the same, right? They 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 had the advantage, every advantage, money, market cap, like market share, yeah, you know, all that stuff. But like because they did the same thing and didn't innovate or is harder to, they because like if they take a risk, the risks are way worse for them. Okay, you know? Clay so, Christensen over there. That's just how it works, man. And so, like, Disney, if they don't, like, do something, I mean, they're acquiring, they're just standing on the shoulders of giants. They, they acquire Star Wars. They acquire all these things. But, like, they got to do something. I mean, I don't know if in, it was Encanto Disney or was that, that Pixar? Encanto was Disney. And actually, I, mean, I think it did pretty I, well. And, yeah. and, and, and I, I'd say it largely does well because it's, like, an original idea. Like, Oh, here's something like yeah. new and exciting. Well, that's what they should leverage is their platform and audience to like get those new ideas out. But yeah. I mean, I don't well, know. Well, that's so like, uh, I know it's not Marvel, but like, did you guys watch the Star Wars anime? Yeah. Star Wars Visions? So we watched it together, a lot of them. Yeah. The, the Star Wars Visions is like, this isn't um, necessarily the greatest thing I've ever seen or something. But like, there's some episodes, like the first one, for example, you got this like, who's this nomad with a red lightsaber traveling? Yeah. And it's like a samurai and just kicks everyone's butt and then leaves the village. Like who is this guy? Or the twins episode is just like, who made the twins? Why are the twins there? Yada, yada, yada. Like there are all these storylines that they just kind of tease you with. And it's like, man, I'd really love to go down any of those stories and learn more about it. The art direction is beautiful. Has the, nothing to do with the Skywalker. The story's original Yet all I'm getting is freaking Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> where it's like that is the it's, it's the last thing I want. Where it's like I am infinitely more interested in these new fresh storylines than I am these uh, ones I've I've seen and heard a thousand times. And now Boba Fett right now, spoiler warning, Boba Fett right now is like in the last episode, like Luke Skywalker's in it, Baby Yoda's what? in it, Mandalorian's in it, Ahsoka's in it. And, and so it's it's more just like, hey, let's just like keep rehashing these you, old themes. You have it's like, to, I can't. you have to separate from the Skywalkers, man. You got to go with Darth Raven. You got to go with something. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. Different. Also, Boba Fett's so soft. <laughs> he is. They kind of make yeah. He's well, he's 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 kind of washed. But is Boba well, Fett washed up? To, wasn't he supposed to be able to kill like Jedi's and stuff? he was supposed he's to be washed like, up, man. Well, there's the there's the one part. I think it's in Episode Five. It's the Empire Strikes Back. 
when Darth Vader, Darth Vader, Darth Vader tells Boba Vader? Fett, Darth Vader, <laughs> like just to reiterate, this guy is like the baddest guy in the universe, tells Boba Fett that when he's hunting for Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and all them, he says, don't disintegrate them. <laughs> Meaning Boba Fett's natural like inclination is, is to not dis- just to kill people, but to disintegrate them. Well, how do you take and a- now in the new TV series, he's like, well, got the like Power Ranger punk kids, right? <laughs> That's such a bad like, plot line. The who's yeah. like who's like stealing from like the moisture farmer or something, and Boba Fett has to get dragged into this, and he's like, "Leave these kids alone." Also, you charge too high because capitalism sucks. <laughs> As a, you know what, in any other setting, Boba Fett, if he's if he's if he's now ruling that part of Tatooine, you know what Boba Fett's gonna do? He's gonna say like. Forget all of you. Like I'm literally gonna rocket your head into like stop stop bothering me. Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm gonna shoot you all dead. Okay. Yeah. In his defense, in his defense, he was stuck in a sarlacc pit. He he went through some <laughs> crap, man. He went through some crap. He uh, should have made him stronger. Living with the sand people, and every- it should have made him more resentful. No one gets stuck in a sarlacc pit and like comes out thinking like, oh, I'm gonna be like super charitable. I'm gonna be now. way nicer. Or like, yeah, like, like no, 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 like Luke Skywalker. That guy just put. Here, I'm gonna go freaking hunt yeah. him down. Also, let's stop bringing people back from the dead. You know, like this, oh my it's God. a bad move. Has anyone actually but, died in Star Wars yet? I'm trying to think of like a character that's actually dead. I think actually Han Solo's Han Solo, dead. Princess Leia, and Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> like, they took all the characters that we love and we they murdered them. I know. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, so this podcast, we're still trying to find our personality here. I mean, we like to have a lot Aren't of fun stuff. All? Yeah. But we want to have, like, we want to make it more serious. That's why we kind of had the name change and everything. Um, but so we wanted to maybe have, like, a something on here that has a little bit of substance, right? <laughs> yeah. And so um, you could put the substance. <laughs> just edit it, put this earlier. Than yeah, other that's stuff. true. Well, actually, I want to do, maybe let's do, like, a quick um, rapid-fire question okay. thing, and then we'll get to, to some deeper so, stuff. Um, so let's just have you take like i don't know one sentence and answer your thoughts on this Sweet. okay um i guess they're not questions they're just topics but what are your thoughts brixton's thoughts on cooking cooking mm-hmm. uh it's an important skill that not enough young people learn how to do good take reading reading helps you take ideas you grapple with them and you help you're able to form your own ideas uh, what, wait, what book have you been reading recently? Actually, so okay. right now I'm reading I'm reading Twelve Rules for Life. I just read Impact Players by Liz Wiseman. Liz Wiseman, huge Liz Wiseman fan. She's a rock star. Yeah, that's uh, BYU grad. If you didn't know, Del. BYU grad. Um, and then like maybe this sounds cheesy because like it is come follow me, but like I, I am counting my study of the Old Testament right now as like kind of a read. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, weightlifting. Love it. Changed my life. Okay. Um, let's do music. Uh, music. I'm all over the place. Stacy's mom has been stuck in my head this whole week. Uh, it's, it's been shallow by Lady Gaga for me. Yeah. Down, any, any songs for you stuck in my head this week? Yeah. No, I don't have any that come to mind actually. Sorry. Uh, did not come prepared for that. Super sad. Anime. Uh, we're watching Andrea and I and you yeah. are watching Ranking of Kings. Fantastic show. Excellent. Anime, my quick thoughts on that as a whole. Um, 
always loved like Miyazaki growing up. I grew up on Studio Ghibli, loved it. And then like the other genre, like the other part of it, like the actual TV shows explored in recent years. I uh, found a lot that I actually really like. Like Cowboy Bebop is a wonderful show. And it's a, it's more than a cartoon. It's, yeah. a, it's a good media form. But anime also uh, does itself a disservice when like a lot of it's over-sexualized and just like annoying. Just so annoying. Fan service, it's a problem. Yeah, it is. But okay, cool. Um, and I guess we just want to end on, I mean, we're coming up on the two year anniversary of your, your article on the enzyme. Yeah. 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 Is that right? Yep. Um, I mean, there, a lot of stuff has happened since then. Um, I don't know. I just want to give you an open mic, maybe your thoughts on why you wrote the article. Yeah. Sweet. What it's about. And I don't know. You're, I don't know. Yeah. Just go for it. Cool. And like any <laughs> thoughts you guys have along the way, the, uh, yeah. So I wrote, uh, article for the church. Um, I'm actually as like a passion project right now, I'm turning all my thoughts about that incident into like a short book, uh, just like three principles of like healing that I feel like I learned from that experience that I felt like I should share with other people too. Uh, so that's kind of like my 2022, I have two passion projects for 2022, three, one, get married <laughs> two learn how to bake bread and then three, write this book. Okay. Baking bread. This is what I've heard. You need a steam steam oven. Okay. okay. That's how I make fantastic bread. Yeah. But anyways. I, anyways. Put that on the registry. Yeah. yeah. No, really <laughs> no, yeah, seriously. Um, yeah. So that, that article that I wrote was about uh, how to like, how to cope with the loss of a friend when you lose that friend to suicide. Um, so what happened when I first moved to Provo, I had like literally maybe the second or third person I met was this guy named Landon Lowry. Super good guy. Like, genuinely like the nicest guy he could tell I had no friends sort of a deal and like took me in just one of the most like giving caring people that I met um as I got to know him a bit more I knew that he was struggling with uh you know he he had his own demons he had things that he was working through we were neighbors I was his elders corn president at the time um you know so for like one you know for actually for a year I had to sign myself as his home teacher um, and we would just have like the best conversations just about like the, the gospel, what was going on in our lives, how to reconcile it all. Uh, so we had maintained friendship over the years uh, until, yeah, one day in 2017, I was at work and I was walking from T3 over to T4 uh, over there at the MTC. And I got a text from a friend who's in that same friend group. And she just basically told me, she just said, Hey, you know, I know you're really good friends with Landon. And so you probably deserve to know that he, he committed suicide last night. And I remember like reading that text and I was like, I, I genuinely didn't know how to react. So kind of just like went about like the rest of my day, uh, went to all the different meetings that I had and uh, one of my best friends, Chandler, also worked at the MTC at the time we were living together. And so we, we were driving away and I told him, I was like, dude, like, I just got this news. And he, he reacted like, like man, are, are you okay? Like, what can I do to help? And I said, no, no like, I, I feel fine. Like, you know, again, kind of carried out the day as normal. Well, what happens the next day, I wake up that morning. When I go into the shower, I just start crying. Like, like weeping sort of a cry. Well, yeah, understandably. Yeah. Yeah. And I had never, ever experienced like anything like that in my entire life. 
And uh, I couldn't figure out what it was. My boss at the time was really awesome. So I just told him what had happened and they gave me all the time off that I needed. And they, you know, I didn't even have to use like my vacation hours, which was really generous. But, you know, kind of long story short, what had happened was like, I, I found myself in this place that was really, really dark. Like uh, I started having like, weird thoughts myself of like, like I would picture myself committing suicide and like walking through it. And I like that freaked me out. I was like, you know, in my mind, I, I couldn't figure out why I was thinking the things I was thinking, like why I was processing things the way that I was. And I felt for some reason, this obligation to, to keep it to myself. I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. I didn't think anyone could really understand so I knew my, my perception of the world around me was really off, but I just like nothing was working in my brain. Well, I mean, super, I don't know why this keeps on coming up, but like last podcast, we talked about um, how like one of the big cures for suicide is to talk about suicide. Well, so here, here's what happens. Yeah. This was like the, this was like the impetus for like all my healing and like literally this, like completely changed my life was uh for some reason like you guys know me like very extroverted talking to people is not difficult for me but like when this happened i did like i just couldn't process like being in social settings so even going to church was a really anxious experience for me and i i didn't know why so i'm sitting there at church one day this is what i write about i'm sitting there at church one day it's uh back in the good old days three hours church and i'm thinking like i can't do this um and so I'm going to leave after sacrament meeting. We're in the Wilk at BYU. <clears throat> so as soon as the, the hymn's done, I kind of like beeline it out of the chapel and I'm about to walk home and I go into a hallway and at the end of the hallway, her name's Mindy Okuno. Uh, her husband was in her bishopric and I see her at the end of the hallway and I realize it kind of like hit me like lightning. I realize that brother and sister Okuno a couple years earlier had lost a son to suicide. And there I am, I'm struggling, I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating, I'm not performing well at work, but I see her and I just get the strongest impression that like right then is the time that I need to ask for help. So I I just walk up to her, she's talking to someone at the time, I wait for a second when she's free and like I I don't think it came out very pretty, but I just said, hey, like I want to talk to you about something. And I tell her what had happened and it's just like right there in the Wilk. I can show you exactly where it was where like, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time talking and she just, she just grabs like both my sides. She's kind of a smaller woman, but she just grabs me, both my arms and her, she has big old tears in her eyes and she just looks at me and she says, Brixton, like the first thing you need to know before anything else is that this is not your fault and you are so loved. And I just, I lost it. I just started crying. Uh, and so it's kind of this like, you know, to any outside observer, they just see us both crying together in the hallway. But, you know, I, I cite that as the moment that was game changing for me because I realized that I don't have all the answers for my own life. And that was really difficult for me. So here I am saying like, you're the captain of your own ship, which is like largely true, but there's also things in life where I I feel like there's a lot of wisdom in relying on other people and the collective wisdom that actually exists outside of you. Right. And so there's, there's the scripture in Moses seven to cite that real quick, where it says, you know, the people of Enoch were of one heart and one mind. 
I don't know about for you guys, but every time I've read that scripture historic, like on my mission, for example, I read that scripture and I think that that means service. That means I need to give more of myself so that I could feel one. Like if, if I want to be one with Mark or if I want to be one with Dallin, then I need to, I need to serve Mark. I need to serve Dallin. I need to give more of myself. Well, so long as I serve, but I don't let other people serve me, then I'm not of one heart. I'm still existing as two separate beings. And so what I realized there is like, hey, the healing and the the help I needed wasn't going to happen until I truly became one with people around me by sharing what I was going through and asking for help. And as soon as I did that, like that's immediately when I started feeling better and like the healing process could actually begin. I ended up seeing, like, I was seeing a therapist every week for six months. Like that's, that's pretty big. That's pretty yeah. intensive. Uh but like, that's, that's what I needed. So again, like the more I opened myself out and, and kind of you know, allowed myself to, to get help from others and to, to ask questions and to see what learning was out there, that's when I could start healing. And so I, you know, I wrote that and like what I'm writing now is because I feel like that was such a important principle for me to learn that I like, I want other people to, to feel comfortable and, you know, you, you're, you don't exist alone especially if you're a member of the church, like you yeah. do not exist alone. There's like no struggle that you feel like you, there, there, there isn't any struggle that you're dealing with that you should feel like you have to bear on your own. Yeah. So, well, I don't know, I'm talking about, I don't know what you guys think. Well, that was no wanted. Yeah. One, well, I mean, I heard a phrase a while ago that it, it was talking to people that had, you know, suicidal ideation, those thoughts. And it was, uh, it was the, that suicide doesn't, stop the pain it just passes it on yeah right and i think i mean it's important to remember that it's so crazy in this world that like suicide is one of the leading rates of death yeah that's crazy to me yeah it's super sad but i mean i i think it i think i think the lesson that i learned applies obviously in the setting that i had experienced in but it applies to anything you're going through right where i think of one thing common to to people our age especially men is like Things like, you know, if you're struggling with like uh, pornography usage or something like that, like that's another one where it's like, this is a burden that I'm going to take upon myself and like only I can deal with this. And so you kind of just, you struggle in silence. And uh, again, it's uh, as soon as you open yourself up and you allow connection with other people, that's when you could really be of that, that one heart and one mind mentality and the, and the healing flows from that. Yeah. So I'll tell you one other cool, like kind of side note with the story. Uh, you, I think you both know how I operate with my belief in God where it's like, you know, is it, is it like pre uh, what is it predestination or like free will, you know, like sure. um, uh, not predestination determinism. Yeah. Yeah. Pre- yeah. Yeah. All, all that aside. Um, so I, I write that for the church in the summer of 2019 because uh, I decided like, hey, I learned some things. I want to share it. So I, I write it two year anniversary of his death um, or two years since his death. I should say I write it, submit it. They get back to me in two weeks. Apparently that never happens with the enzyme. But they're like, hey, we really like this. We want to use it. We're going to publish it this date, this time, February issue. Okay, perfect. So seven, eight months pass. I'm living in D.C. at the time. And I get like my phone starts lighting up with all the messages because like, dude, like it came through. Like, this is so cool. Really, really neat. Well, what's one really neat thing that happened is I started getting friend requests from Landon's family. Really? Yeah, because they had, I think someone had shared it 
somehow they knew that it was, uh, I had written about Landon. And so I start getting messages. I get messages from both his parents, family members. What's really cool is that the church decided to publish it at the end of January. You know, they're going to publish the February edition a few days early. Coincidentally, it was Landon's birthday. No way. Yeah. And so it's just like, that's like one of those cool things that it's like, like, again, like, I don't know if I necessarily believe this in every setting, but it's like, that's a, that's a, that's a crazy coincidence. Yeah. You know, or it's just like some like silent gift or something where it's like, Hey, like that's, that's really, really cool. So there's actually just a couple of days ago as well, his birthday. Uh, so it's just kind of neat to think about that every year. Yeah. Really well, I mean, you're an inspiration yeah. to us all. No, no, all no. Be no, us no. and our 20 listeners. But I, yeah, I just think it's, it's important to realize that like tragedies happen in people's lives and they can, I mean, they can ruin their whole life or be a very meaningful learning chapter in their life that makes them empathetic and grow, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that would be part of my message to other people as well. It's just whatever, whatever it feels like you're doing, like, Hey, like there's, there's my one message of like healing. And then right with that is, you know, you could either choose to let the burden crush you or you can let that weight, uh, refine you. Pick it up. Yeah. 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 Refine you pick, pick up that weight and bench it, bro. Like, <laughs> You know, like what, what are you going to do with it? Right. Jim, it's like, Jim rat talking. Yeah, I know. Jim rat talking, but, but it's, it's, it's a true thing. That's actually when I picked up weightlifting was during that experience. Really? Uh, yeah. That's when I started gaining weight. Cause I thought like, I need something mentally to like tell myself every day that I'm going to like push myself and my limits. Well, and, and you, and how many, how much weight have you gained? I started lifting at 120 pounds. I weigh 185 now. 120? I was 120. Pounds. Have you seen his his? I have. Hey, I have. So skinny. <clears throat> yeah. So one one aspect that I thought uh, while you were saying that, yeah, it's it, I'm the kind of the same way where you don't want to let you don't want to let people help you. But like what I've realized is I've had a couple opportunities to kind of serve this week in ways that I usually don't, and it makes me feel better and feel makes me feel like more. It makes me feel closer to God, and more accomplished in my life. So. You know, it, it depends on what you're asking for. If you're the guy who's going to your bishop asking for money all the time, that's not the type of service we're we're asking you to like seek help for. I mean, unless you really need it. But um, <laughs> but but it's yeah. If you if you allow people like allowing people to serve, it it benefits them a lot of times, almost all the time. If you totally. genuinely need it, totally. And it's it, it's a, mutually beneficial. Do you guys remember the Finding Faith in Christ video, the old one? Yeah, no, the yeah, old, yeah, yeah, old one where like they're talking to Thomas or something, and mm-hmm. yeah, there's this one scene about him. Yeah, have we talked about this? No, 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 I don't know where you're going with it, but I remember the film now. Well, okay, yeah, so if you remember the film, there's this one, it, it's not even the point of the scene, like it's just like a it's just the side note, like it's such a minor thing. But I remember watching it as a missionary. You know, when people like offer you a slice of pizza, for example, or like, or you and your companion are eating pizza, and there's like one slice left. And it's like, Oh, elder, do you want this? And it's like, no, 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 elder, you can have it. I was like, no, 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 you can have it. You know what I mean? Like you're trying to like out charity each other. <laughs> well, there's this one thing in finding faith in Christ where like the savior's walking or something. And, uh, someone, someone spills some food onto the floor and the savior helps them like pick it up. And then the man gives him one of the, it's like a loaf of bread or like a vegetable or something. I can't remember, but he gives one to him. And the savior doesn't say like, no, 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 I'm good. Like he takes it and then he starts eating it. Yeah. 
Oh, I remember the apples or something. Yeah. Something like that. And I thought like out of everything in that video, that's the one thing for me that always sticks down to your point where it's like, and actually, you know, I know we're making jokes earlier, but using the money thing as an example, it's like how many members of the church are like strapped for cash and are facing really hard financial times, but they don't want to talk to the bishop and ask for help because it's like they're, they're ashamed of it. Yeah. Or they feel like it's like a, it's a, like a mark against them. But it's like, no, no, no. Like all these resources are, are, are there. They're constantly being offered to you because of like, you pay your tithing, you're faithful and everything. It's like, yeah. don't, don't deprive yourself of blessings or don't shut out blessings or help just because you have some weird notion that yeah. like you shouldn't do well, it. Right. The money, the money is help until it's not help and it becomes a crutch. And that's, that's what we want to avoid. It's like, it's not a blessing anymore. If that's the case. Totally. And you that know? could be said about any, any yeah. kind of help, right? Like you have yeah. some people that go to the Bishop. I <laughs> had one Bishop who, uh, you know, there's a member of our ward who would go there every time, like even just like cuddling with a girl, he was confessing his sin. <laughs> and the Bishop was just like, dude, like, why are so so eventually it was you know at first he like kind of like heard him out for a second and i was like oh, okay like you know if you feel guilty about this like just go talk to talk to god sort of deal the bishop's thinking and he's kind of a newer bishop was like what the freak was that like <laughs> you know and then like when the member comes back the third time for these things that aren't sins that's when the bishop was finally like you what are you doing like what is this like you're using me as a crutch when you should be able to like figure this problem out on your own yeah well, and I mean, just a couple of closing thoughts is like, really, I, I've, I've been reading one of Brene Brown's books. She's an all-star. Yeah. But like the power of vulnerability is really like when you're vulnerable, I mean, it's different if you're being like an emotional pariah and you're burdening other people, but like yeah. being vulnerable with other people, actually, it's the one thing that builds relationships yeah. and strengthens you and brings you closer together. Um, and then the second thing is that one of the blog posts that I really am trying to get out right now is... Um, a phenomenon called post-traumatic growth mm. where like, I mean, world is filled with traumatic things and tons of people have PTSD and really bad things are happening. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> a lot of really good things are happening too, but there's, if people are trying to figure out why some of these people just come out of it and are rock stars, you know, they do wait you know, the Elizabeth smarts, the Nelson Mandela's where they like, yeah. they take all of that trauma and pain and they turn to something better and more amazing than they would have had before the, mm. before the incident or whatever. Right. And so like I'm writing about, it's super interesting topic to research and, and study about and write about, but like, I truly believe that that's, I mean, that's why we have a lot of those problems is just so we can help and grow mm -hmm. other people, mm -hmm. you know, I agree. But Love I mean, it. I'm, I mean, I'm great. We could talk all night is the problem. I mean, we have, we have a couple other topics we want to get to, but that's okay. Um, I feel bad. We, we got to really good stuff there at the end. <laughs> no. And we just, we wasted it all on Trump's tweets or movies, but well, that's, all, that's always time well spent. I know. It's so we'll, we'll have you back on in a couple months or something. Yeah. yeah. Great. Anytime. So, well, thanks Brixton. Um, Brixton, thanks for coming thanks, on. That was fun. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for being Anytime. on. Anytime.